Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Now stop me if you've heard this one before. James Harden wants out. Larden is not happy. The Lard Man wants a new team. Oh, and this just in. The sky is blue, water is wet, and Wisconsin is still God's country. In other words, tell me something I didn't already know. It's not even news that Larden wants out of Philly. We already knew that. What is new this morning is his newest method of demanding a way out. And I've got to give this dude this much. No pro athlete has ever gotten as creative at quitting as James Harden. Now, I'm always careful about using that word. I really don't like to call athletes quitters because essentially that is the very worst thing that you could say about an athlete. I mean, it's hammered in from the very second you step on the first court or field as a youngster. Whatever you do, do not quit. It's okay to lose, but never, ever quit. So I'm very, very careful about ever calling any athlete a quitter. Except in this case, when the dude is an all-time elite quitter. Seriously, who has ever been better at quitting teams than James Harden? Who else has ever eaten their way off of a team? Very few guys have done that. Who else? Let me repeat. Who else has ever decided, man, I hate where I am. I hate my situation. How do I get out of here? Oh, I know. I'll fat my way out. I'll eat my way off a team. Who else has ever donned a fat suit to escape a franchise? Who else has ever eaten their way off of one team onto a super team with two other first bout Hall of Famers only to up and quit that team too? You know, that same Nets team that, oh, by the way, tried to sign that dude to a max extension. An offer that Larden turned down. An offer I bet that Larden wants back. Because right now, never mind the max deal, a Larden market does not seem to exist at all. Just don't tell James, because he still has demands. And apparently he also has new ways of demanding those demands. A.K.A. a new way to quit. Check this dude out. So now he's touring China. And he still has everybody's attention, despite the fact that he's in China. He's got everybody's attention. And no, he did not get it by going into his closet and breaking out the fat suit. No, it's still hanging in the closet because you know he still has it. No, instead, he decided to go nuclear on the guy who has been his single biggest champion and benefactor in the association. Check this out. Murray is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Alvin, I want you to re-rack that. The audio quality is not stellar, but listen to what this guy said, and listen to him make sure that he repeats it in the event that anybody missed what he said the first time. Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Quote, Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization with him ever again. How many of you had Jungle Tourette's when he said, Morey is a liar? And wait for it. And a felon. And I've got nothing to hide, so come on over. And a liar. I got nothing to hide, so come on over. Anyway. You're a coward and a liar and a thief. Or that too. I mean, damn, man. Flaming your own team president who also happens to be the president of the Larden Fan Club, who's not just your president, but also your guy, or at least was your guy. 
which is why it cracks me up to hear Larden say that he will never be a part of an organization that Maury is a part of. Yeah, except for the two times that he's been a part of an organization that Maury was in charge of. Larden will never be a part of an organization with Maury. Other than, I don't know, right this second. Like, I hate to break it to you, big fella, but Daryl Morey is still the president of the Sixers, and you, at least as of right now, are still a member of the Sixers. And the reason why you are still a member of the Sixers is because you opted in. Remember? If you hate it so much there, why did you opt in? He opted in to return to the Sixers. Now remember, the beard could have walked this offseason. He could have thrown up the deuces and went wherever the hell he wanted this summer. Instead, he in he instead opted in. Only to then demand a trade from the team. He opted in and then demanded a trade. And if that sounds ass backwards, it's because it's ass backwards. And surprise, surprise, that ass backwards strategy is not working. Dude has pretty much played himself. You see, the trade market for James Larden is about as robust as his free agent market was, which is actually the opposite of robust. Even his preferred destination, the Clippers, are not all that fired up about him. I mean, I don't know, dude. Maybe before you put all your eggs in one basket and push everything in front of the center of the table to go to that one team, maybe you find out whether or not that team wants you as much as you want them. Because clearly you didn't do that. The Clippers are not nearly as fired up about you as you are them. Now, apparently there is some interest on their part. Just not, This is hilarious to me. Just not enough interest to part with the almighty Terrence Mann in that deal. And nothing against T-Mann. But, but that is brutal. But then again, maybe Terrence Mann would come and actually play some defense. Maybe Terrence Mann would not turn into a bearded pumpkin and then get shut out in the fourth quarter of the three biggest games of the season. And here's a bonus. Well, I haven't gone through his closet I'm guessing Terrence Mann does not even own a fat suit. Again, pretty clear that Harden played himself pretty badly right here. I mean, there is no free agent market, not like he thinks. And there really is no trade market, not like he thinks. I mean, again, the Clippers sort of have an interest, but apparently not even enough to part with Terrence Mann. And then the Sixers sort of have an interest because... Well, if they don't surround Joel Embiid with players, then Embiid will bounce too. And he's the reigning MVP. So the Sixers do have some interest, just not enough to give Larden the extension that he apparently thinks that he was promised. So now that he has called Daryl Morey a liar and repeated it for effect and says that he will never play for him, What's the next move? What's the next move on that chessboard? What's the next play? I don't know for certain because you never know with this guy, but I know the playbook. And if he's going to run that playbook, you know the fat suit is coming out next. Maybe all of this was just the opening act for the return of the fat suit. My man is just running his get me the hell off this bus playbook. Well, one more thing, big fella. If you think that an extended holdout, one that goes into the season, is going to get you what you want, a trip out of town, think again, big dude. Because apparently, the new CBA says that a player who misses a month of action in a contract year could lose free agency status for the following season. So, what I'm saying here is, the Lord man is running out of options. That's why he's slinging molten lava at Daryl Morey right now. Holding out, fatting out, going Lord in, calling his biggest fan and boss a liar. None of it seems to be working. But I will say this, never, 
ever sleep on this dude. Still an effective player, but a first ballot Hall of Famer when it comes to getting out of situations that he does not want to be in. I would not doubt this dude still finding a way out in the next couple of months because he is the quitting GOAT. I will never doubt that he can quit his way out of an organization that he no longer wants to be a part of. Let me say that again. James Harden is the quitting GOAT. I will never doubt that he can quit his way out of an organization that he does not want to be a part of. And he's already starting. Listen to this. He's a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Say it again, dude. Three is a charm. How do you feel about Maury? How do you feel about playing for an organization that he's a part of? Let me say it again. Say it Daryl again, Maury dude. Was a liar, and I will never be a part of I leave that cheeseburger? That he's a part of again, if a team will not give up Terrence Mann to get you, you're not as good as you think you are. Credit to the Clippers for playing some hardball. Balmer is a savvy businessman. Maybe he foresaw the massive hit on the team's craft services budget and put an axe to it himself. Or maybe the billionaire did not want to hire an entire army of team chefs, knowing full well that the Clippers' new arena needs a massive staff of plumbers for their 1,160 toilets. Toilets! 1160 toilets. My man is as proud of that as anybody is anything. Three times the NBA hey, Steve, how many, how many toilets? Toilets! 1160 toilets. And, and how does that compare to the rest of the NBA? Three times the NBA average number of toilets. Come on, Gina! We do not want people waiting. Come to the arena. We do not want people waiting to have to take a dump. This dude, man. Anyway, think about Larden. After sticking, ramming his dinner fork into his current team president of basketball ops, you tell me, what GM wants to have that happen to them? Does he move on to his dessert fork? Does he instead go with that petite little shrimp cocktail fork? I'll tell you what, you know it's not going to be. It's not going to be a salad fork. We know that. Let me say that again. Daryl Morey is a liar, and I will never be a part of an organization that he's a part of. I mean, dude, could you have played this any worse? Or played yourself any worse than you did? U.S. Cellular knows how important your kid's relationship with technology is, and they have made it their mission to help them establish good digital habits early on. That's why they have partnered with Screen Sanity, a nonprofit dedicated to helping kids navigate the digital landscape. And for a smarter start to the school year, U.S. Cellular is also offering a free basic phone on new eligible lines, providing an alternative to a smartphone for kids. Start smarter with with U.S. Cellular. Visit uscellular.com slash built for us to find out more. Restrictions to apply. Visit uscellular.com for terms. One of our sons went to the University of Wisconsin, Jake, and graduated. We have a home in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, and not because of that. Not totally coincidental, but not because of that. So I just had two weeks off. Let me give you a quick recap. I'm not going to run this entire thing down because I don't have time. I could actually break it up. I have a number of thoughts on this, but quick recap of Wisconsin 2. Now remember, I get a month of vacation in the summertime 
So what I do is I take two weeks off, then I come back for two weeks, and then I leave for two weeks. And of course, I already broke down Wisco 1, the first two-week period. And I talked about where I thought, despite having to subsist on a diet of cheese and dairy exclusively, I actually thought that I might be able to flip it on its head and do some sort of twisted Wisconsin cleanse where I get up every single morning, I knock out 90 minutes of cardio, I do an intermittent fast, I don't eat my first meal until 11 a.m. or maybe noon, and then if I'm at least pretty mindful, I could come back the same weight that I left at or maybe even lose a pound or two, right? I mean, I'm only eating twice a day. I start every single morning with 90 minutes of cardio. It makes sense, right? That first vacation, when I came home, I damn near broke the scale with a near new PR, but not the kind of PR you want. And this was with doing 90-minute rides on the Peloton every freaking day I was there. Like 27-mile rides, 900-plus calorie burns. The math did not make sense to me. So what am I to do? I come back for two weeks. I try to cut the weight. I cut most of the weight in those two weeks that I gained. But I don't want to go through this again. So what did I do this time? Essentially the same things. 13 straight days. Every day that I was there. 13 straight days of 90-minute rides with a 60-minute chaser a couple of those days. Then I return home. What happens? I made my return home on Saturday. I don't weigh until Sunday morning to buy myself some time. What happened? You know what happened? I didn't get on the freaking scale. I still haven't gotten on the scale. That solved that problem. All right, so what else happened? Got some quality time with the legend of the woods. Ironically, named Woody. I've talked about Woody. Woody and his legendary brunch. I've posted about Woody, a guy that I like to refer to as half Paul Bunyan, half Bill Gates, like the ultimate outdoorsman and athlete, but a serial entrepreneur in the woods. He owns and he runs several businesses. However, I learned something new about my dude, Woody. This is new. One day, my wife, Dodger Jano, used to just be Janet, then Jano, and then she's Dodger Jano, glossed by the clones. Dodger Jano says, let's take a drive out to Saner. They've got like this fair or a farmer's market on Sundays. Anyway, I, I'm like, fine, that's cool. We drive out to this town. It's like literally one block long. It is tiny. It's tiny. I see a sign and it reads, Saner, population 130, not 130,000, not 13,000, 130. Janet proceeds to tell me that's where Woody is from. Woody is from Saner. I'm like, the hell he is. No way. No way the legend is from a town of 130. He's from Eagle River, right? Milwaukee, right? Green Bay, right? Madison, right? I mean, awesome little town. Don't get it twisted. But does it even have a second stoplight? There's no way this legend, half Paul Bunyan, half Bill Gates, grew up in a town of 130. Janet said he absolutely did. Did you not see all those buildings with his name on them? When we drove in, that's his company. That's his business. I'm like, damn, that dude is from a town of 130? The legend of Woody Grows. Oh, and you may have seen my posts on my Instagram stories. He hosted a badass pizza party at his mansion on the lake, pizza oven outdoors, overlooking the lake, an incredible night. And, of course, I got lots of quality time with the couple responsible for bringing us to Eagle River, Wisconsin, Matt and Lori Coleman. 
No, they are not responsible for the Coleman cooler, as everybody up there seems to think. They're responsible for much cooler bleep than that, including introducing us to Eagle River and finding us that piece of property that we bought and built our house on. I bet a half dozen people there told me this trip, this trip, that they, if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, that's my view. I bet a half a dozen people told me on this trip alone they were going to buy that property and they were kicking themselves for not doing so, but they were going to do it. To which I say, we've had some pretty interesting pieces of real estate over the years, but that one might be my favorite. However, everybody has a price. Make me an offer. It comes with one of the most famous boathouses on the chain. You're no longer allowed to build a boathouse. They have to be grandfathered in. They've got all these crazy rules about boathouses. This one is one of the most famous ones. The author, T.S. Eliot. I know most of you clones have never heard of him. Famous author. He used to write. He'd go there to write. Yeah, I know that you're kicking yourselves that some transplant from Cali outsmarted you and beat you to it, but it's not too late. It's never too late. Make me an offer. What else? What else did I do my last two weeks? Oh, oh, I missed out on a couple of big head bet segments since I was off the air. And I did engage the head a few times via text, but mostly left him alone. So I was feeling a pretty serious Jones. Had to get my gamble on. So we take off for a casino where I absolutely got my ass handed to me. Now, not as much apparently as homeboy seated a couple of chairs down at my table because there was only one table. But he kept saying, I have to go back out to the truck. Presumably to retrieve and then lose more dough. I mean, I don't know what the hell he had in that truck. But I was looking at his chips. And we were getting our asses kicked. And he kept saying, I got to go back out to my truck. Personally, I think I lost my entire NFL bankroll for the coming season that one night in that casino. But I still didn't lose as much as Homeboy, who made multiple, quote, runs to the truck. I seriously don't think that this one dealer lost a single hand all night long. And I know for a fact that one dealer did not want me to win a single hand. I was feeling her negative energy. Every loss for me was a win for her. Although I know she got paid the same exact amount. Every loss for me was a win for her. So she must have had herself a huge night. Just saying. Got my ass kicked. What else? Oh, this was different. For the first time ever, no kids. No kids, which meant no kids' friends, which meant really quiet, right? So Jake graduates from college. He's working this summer. Logan made his run to Columbia and Medellin while we were there. So Dr. Jano and I got our first true taste of empty nesting. Now, given all the social events that DJ set up for us, it's pretty clear to me how she's going to approach our being empty nesters. Just kidding, darling. Sort of. Not really. Oh, and speaking of rogues, how about this kid? I come home Saturday. I see him for the first time in a couple of weeks. And he informs me that his two weeks in Columbia were, quote, the best two weeks of his life. You're not sure how I feel about that. I mean, uh, yeah, you're 18, you're in Columbia and Medellin with that, without your parental units and one of your boys. Yeah, I'm guessing that didn't suck. But best trip ever? Not to be a D-bag here, but can I remind y'all, and him especially, we've taken you to Europe multiple times. We've taken you to some of the nicest places on the entire planet. Lake Como, Florence, the Amalfi Coast, south of France, Croatia, St. Bart's, Paris, Venice. I mean, crazy, crazy spots. 
and dude informs me that Columbia is his favorite place ever and that that was the best two weeks of his entire life. I mean, dude, I'm glad. You want your kid to have a great summer. I also thought that it was pretty cool that he got his iPhone jacked 15 minutes after arriving in Medellin, and we had no way to reach him directly for a time. Me getting my tricked-out iPad ripped off after I checked it into a travel bag. Can't believe this kid got his iPhone jacked the second he stepped into town. True story. The one and only rogues. I couldn't believe some of the stories he told me, too. Some of the stories he told me. I can only imagine the ones that he didn't tell me. So Dodger Jano and I drop him off next week at Boulder for college where he's going to be a buff. Rogues does Boulder. Rogues does Boulder. Coming to a theater near you. Got his phone jacked. He finally somehow came into possession of a, quote, $40 Android burner. So at least we had a way to get to him, sort of, kind of. This kid, man. All right, I've got more thoughts on that trip. Still haven't gotten on the scale. That's how I figured out how to handle that. Instead of bringing myself down and beating myself up, I'm like, screw it. I just won't get on the scale. And you know what? It works. All right, so I've got an affiliate announcement. You know, it's really amazing. I've done this. Let me take you back, back to the day when we built this thing up. I want to tell you a really short story. So when we syndicated the program, when I first had this show, it started in Santa Barbara in the mid to late 80s. Then I went to San Diego, and it was a local San Diego show. Then in the early 90s, John Lynch and I syndicated the program, but it was a grassroots effort. There was not some existing network that we had. We didn't go to one of the major networks like a CBS or an ESPN or a Fox or something like that because it didn't really exist. So what we did is we went door to door and we tried to sell ourselves outside of California, San Diego, and then we had an original four affiliates and we just built this thing from the ground up. And we had to try to find major markets which would accept us. One of our most important markets back in the day was none other than, okay, let me, one more step back. Whenever we added an affiliate, it was a big, big thing on the program. We had a lot of fun with it because although hazing is not cool at all, ask Northwestern, man, could they handle that situation any worse? Nice shirts, too, in support of Pat Fitzgerald, who got fired because of hazing. His own coaching staff is rocking these shirts. I mean, that, that aside... We had this process where every time we add an affiliate, all the existing affiliates would test a new affiliate. So it was a good time. But, you know, I've done this so long, and the network is the network, and you lose an affiliate every now and then, or you add an affiliate every now and then, and there's so many different ways to get the content right now that it's not the way it used to be, so you don't hear me make too many of these announcements. This is different. This is a really big thing. This is a really cool thing. This is something I'm really hyped about. I'm making a point of starting hour number two by going old school with it and announcing that we have a new affiliate. We are on the air, back on the air, and I find this very hard to believe. But we've been off the air in this market for, I believe, a decade now. One of the most important markets in the history of this show. But as of this very second, we are on the air, noon to 2, Monday through Friday, on 94.1, San Antonio's Sports Star. Hell yes, we are. San Antonio, the prodigal son is back. The prodigal middle-aged man is back. The prodigal empty nester is back. Ben Smacks back. San Antonio, I got to hear from you. Gino never left. Gino's been representing long and hard all these years. San Antonio, I would love to hear from you right now. Telephone number is toll free. 1-800-636-8686. San Antonio, shoot me straight. Do my golden pipes not still sound amazing? 
Is it not great to have me back? Well, I can't answer for you, but I can tell you this. It is great to be back. It feels amazing. 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star. Noon to 2 locally. We are now back home where we belong. It's been a long journey. It's been a long ride. It feels awesome to be back. I made numerous appearances there. We had great phone calls there. The Spurs in their heyday were a big part of the program back then. So we start anew. 1-800-636-8686. I'm not going to mess with it. Let's go right to San Antonio. My first call from San Antonio since returning to the airwaves there. JT. JT, what's going on? How are you? Good, man. What's going on, my man? Dude, what's up? Bro, it's been about a minute. Welcome back to Fat Antonio, dude. Man, I started listening to you back in the late 90s, man. Back when there was still a fax of the day. Remember the old school callers like Silk Bra, Trapper with the 30 pieces of silver, being a made guy, to my favorite, the GOAT, Terrence from Sierra Madre. Dude, I remember when you went in the uh, Austin tour stop, rolling in on a burnt orange Hummer and asked Nolan Ryan if Ventura ever apologized for bru- bruising Nolan's fist with his face. Yo, man, I remember it all the way from the smack-off to the hack-off with Fabian Jolene. Yo, so come on, Rachel, shave your back. Well, just want to say glad to hear that all the smack that takes in the runs are going to be here again, especially with Wimby landing with the Spurs. Should be fun again back in here in SA, my man. Welcome, War the San Antonio Sports Star, War the Spurs, War the Cowboys, and War Return of the Smack. I'm out. Hell yeah, JT Rackham, my man. It has been a minute or a decade. I have to update you on a few things. He said, I can remember when. And then he ran down a list of things that were really prominent back at that time. I can remember when Silk Bra used to call. He still does. He's still around. I can remember when Trapper, 30 pieces of silver, used to call. Trapper sadly has passed. But one of the all-time jungle legends and fiercely, fiercely loyal to the program. Gone but not forgotten, ever. Terrence went away. We all assumed that he had also passed. And then he showed up as part of a reunion tour. And I said, dude. Because he, he literally was one of the most beloved callers ever. Arguably the best in ever win the smack off. And I'm like, Terrence, what happened? Where have you been? He's like, I don't know, dude. You lost your LA affiliate and I just, that was that. I'm like, oh, my dude. Yeah, I understand technology is scary to a lot of people. There's so many ways to consume the product. You can find the show even if the affiliate goes away. But Terrence, to the best of my knowledge, is still with us, but not participating on the program. Listen, San Antonio, you're going to find out. Here's the thing. If you've been away for a decade, I'm going to be very transparent and very real with you. The show is still awesome. The show still has crazy energy. And I still attack this thing every day. We all do. The crew does. But the show's not exactly the way it was a decade ago. I mean, it stands to reason, right? The world has changed dramatically, so the show has changed also. But the show is still awesome, and it's incredible to be back in San Antonio where I have some of my best memories ever, some of our best callers ever, one of the most important markets to this show ever. I'm hyped. And that's the beauty of me. Can we talk about me for a minute? I still get really hyped about a lot of things, but especially as they relate to the program. I'm still really hyped on this show, and when you get an affiliate back that's been gone for 10 years that meant so much to me. You know, like when Daryl Morey said, I would not be who I am without James Harden. The fact of the matter is, this show would not be what this show is without San Antonio. So the fact that we're back on the air there and on a great station like 94.1, I am so excited. 1-800-636-8686. Back to the phones. What do you say, Chuck? Let's go to Michael in San Antonio. Listen, don't get cute 
and say, I don't mean this to you, Mike, don't get cute clones and say you're from San Antonio just to jump the line. We have technology. We know where the call is coming from, allegedly. Don't get cute. But if you're from San Antonio, you're going to get up in here. I want to hear from you. I want to hear how it sounds because I'm fired up to be back. Michael in San Antonio. What's going on, Michael? How are you? Michael, what's up, bro? What's up? What's up? Ah! Sorry about that, bro. No. You don't like that. Alvin, I don't like that. Replay that. Not a very good call. San Antonio, you know the rules. It may have been a minute, or in this case, take that button entirely. So Alvin makes that call. I said to Alvin just now, Alvin, he did say, quote, Michael, what's up, Rome? I mean, can't we cut the guy a little slack? I know a rule is a rule, but we're back in San Antonio. Can we not cut the guy a little slack? No, no, no. And Alvin's response to me was that, no, no, no. Alvin's response to me was, dude, quote, dude, it was just awkward. Awkward? It was just awkward. So, no. Alvin, Alvin is excited that we're back on the air in San Antonio, but he is not compromising his integrity or changing the rules for anybody. Alvin would argue it's not fair to the other affiliates that never went away. Brother, Michael, sorry about Brother. that. No, you're not. Roman, it's your show. You can do whatever the hell you want. Mm, mostly. Mostly. But that, that's always kind of a funny moment. Hey, let's go to Philadelphia. Jonathan, what's going on? Hey, uh, Jonathan. Uh, bam. We are joined by Trent Dilfer. Trent, via Zoom, no less. What's going on, Trent? How you feeling? Tim, how was your vacation, brother? Oh, dude, it was so good. It was so good. I would ask you how yours was, but I know you haven't had one. In fact, how many hours of sleep are you getting <laughs> per night, and how are you feeling? Do I look that bad? Um, I've been doing okay. You know, we're a morning team, so, you know, I'm getting... We're working probably 16, 18-hour days, but uh, I'm getting some rest, and we're getting better each day. So uh, I was just telling the team, you know, to be great, there's a cost. You better fall in love with the cost. And for coaches, the cost is sleep this time of year. I like it. No, it's got nothing to do with how you look. It's just it's how you're wired. I know you. I know you're going hard. I know you're going as hard as you can. I'm guessing everybody in that facility is going as hard as well. How are you feeling 17 days from your first game as a college head coach? I'm really encouraged. And I think I said this the first time we talked, you know, I, I really do believe this too. This is not false humility. I think head coaches in college football are, are some of the overrated people except for one thing, and that's who they hire. Uh, I think we're all defined by who we hire. Uh, and every time people ask me, how's it going? I have to say this because the t people I hired are rock stars and they're crushing this thing. Uh, they've helped me integrate into this, uh, learn how to coach at this level. Um, they've been rocks as we've gone through this preparation and, and investing in the team and getting them on the same page. Um, so I'm really pleased by how that whole thing's unfolded. We're getting better. We're so, so, so much better than we were in the spring. We're so much better than we were the first week of camp. And, and now the challenge is, you know, how much gasoline can we pour on that um, progression as we get ready for the regular season. UAB head football coach Trent Dilfer is joining us. You know, Trent, in terms of, and you did tell me that the last time we spoke, in terms of the guys that you brought in, one of the guys in particular is Alex Mortensen. He's the longtime Alabama analyst. He joins you. You offered him a shot at being an offensive coordinator. How critical was that hire, and how is that install coming? That was a hard one for me. Um, you know, I've been around a lot of offense. Uh and I feel like I have a pretty good grasp on that side of the ball. And uh, to give it over to somebody, I always said they had to be better than me. And, and uh, you know, identifying Alex as somebody that's better than me at this. And I think we collaborate really well on it. Um, the offense is exactly how I envisioned it. Um, you know, it's kind of up in here swimming around. And, and he's been able to um, define it uh, and take some of the madness and the craziness and, and get it to be executed at a high level. Uh, we think the same thoughts. Uh, we believe in the same core values of offensive football. Uh, we coach very similarly. Um, the intensity, the, the demand for excellence, uh, 
uh, the standards for which we expect an offense to function with. Um, so it's been it's been a really good fit. He's also a dear friend. He's a great human. He's great with players. Uh, he's great with the staff. So uh, he's been even more than advertised and and better than I expected, which I already expected a whole lot going into this thing. UAB head football coach Trent Dilfer joins us once again. Trent, in building this thing, you're looking for what you call fire breathers. So when you talk about culture, mm-hmm. I mean, define that for me. What What is a fire breather and what are you looking for in terms of all the people you bring in? You know, you're actually, believe it or not, you're the first person to actually ask that question. Um, and I don't have like a formal definition, but I tell you, it's people that are passionate, um, people that love to do hard things. They love big climbs. Uh, they're okay being uncomfortable. Um, they, you know, there's enthusiasm for one another and they're, they're about something bigger than themselves. You know, I think entitlement and selfishness are two of the biggest things, killing football teams, killing all teams. Uh, to me, a fire breather, yes, they, they want to be successful. They're pushing themselves to be great. They want the accolades. They want to make money. They want all this. That's fine. But they also play for something bigger than themselves. And uh, we're looking for a bunch of coaches and players that that's bigger than you. And uh, you're full of passion. You have grit. You know, grit's something that, you know, people think is an esoteric term, but it's been defined as passion and perseverance towards a long-term goal. You know, people that are willing to endure willing to understand that uh, sometimes you got to be Rocky Balboa and go to Siberia and beat your body, uh, knowing that you're going in the ring against Drago. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of the mentality we've built around here. It's, it's, it's us against everybody and we got to beat our bodies and our minds and our souls every single day to develop that resilience uh, for one another. We're talking to Trent Dilford. Trent, seems to me like you would have that mindset no matter where you are because you were in the NFL. You played at the highest level. But when you're at UAB, obviously you're clear about wanting to compete for and win championships. But in order to do that, you're going to have to go against the monsters, you know, the guys with the crazy resources. I know you're not going to complain about what you don't have, but how do you compensate and how do you compete against those who have so much more? Yeah, I think you got to be really creative. Uh, it's a great question. Um, you're never going to compete resource-wise with those people, and and that's okay. You know, that's not a problem. You just have to find solutions. Um, and I think a lot of those solutions lie in the intangibles. They lie in the things you can't really quantify. They lie. They um, are there. You know, I always say this. I'll answer this question with with this with an observation of championship teams over the last twenty years. When was the last time an NBA champion got interviewed on the podium and they said, well, we're just better. We have a better wing. We have a better center. We have a better point guard. We have better coaches. That may be true, but they never say that. When was the last time a hockey team won a championship, won the Stanley Cup, and, and said, oh, we're just more talented than everybody we've played? Uh, or an NFL team wins in a Super Bowl and they say, we just have better resources than everybody else. Uh, that doesn't happen in professional sports. What happens on that podium each time as I've seen is they talk about chemistry and they talk about substance and grit and togetherness and love and devotion, uh, sacrificing for one another, overcoming adversity, handling success. Well, like this, this intangible quality that great teams have. Well, when you don't have the resources of the people you're playing against, you better maximize those things that better become who you are. That better become your brand. And uh, that's something that I'm really trying to do here. Everybody does. Everybody talks about culture, right? I, I bet I could take this computer down our hallways. We have cool graphics too, but there's people with better graphics. There's people have better sayings. There's people that are smarter than me have come up with better sayings that better leadership gurus come in. But it's a lot of times that ends at the sign. It ends at the voice. It ends at the talk. It ends at the team meeting. It doesn't actually get into the soul of the player. And the player actually believes that and lives that and makes decisions daily to be different, to be set apart, to be countercultural, to buy into something bigger than themselves. And I think that's the challenge of leadership at this level is you got to get a building, about 180 of us, to come in every single day tingly about trying to reach your best and do the hard stuff that it takes to be your best to understand I'm going to fall in love with the cost of greatness, not just think about greatness. And, and, and again, if other coaches are looking at this or leaders are looking at this, they're like, yeah, you know, every time we haven't been great, it's because people talk about it, but they aren't about it. And we're trying to be about it around this building. I like that. I love that line. People talk about it, but they're not about it. They don't be about it. They just talk about it. I mean, it's one thing to embrace the grind, but you have to love the grind. And if you're a leader, you've got to impart that impart that message, and they've got to buy in. Trent, for those who don't know the story, 
prior to taking on this challenge, this opportunity, like where were you at in terms of mindset and headspace? Were you desperate for this thing to find this next thing? Or were you actually pretty good? And did somebody convince you that, no, you need to do this thing? Yeah, no, I was great. Like I was in great mind space. I was as happy as I'd ever been. Uh, we had settled as a family in Nashville. I got my grandson, my daughter, my son-in-law moved to Nashville. Uh, my middle daughter is going to live in the Southeast. My youngest daughter is going to live in the Southeast. Their husbands, their fiancés, like we were together. And I, you know, we had built this really cool thing uh, at Lipscomb Academy, a high school program in Nashville. We were dominant. We were only going to get better. Um, like everything was good. And my wife really was the one that said, you know, I know you better than anybody. And I can tell a little bit of complacency, a little bit of boredom setting in. And you've been your best self when you have big old mountains to climb. And she goes, it's really funny. She goes, your life got turned around when you went to Lipscomb, you became the best version of you because these two signs behind me, and I'll point this up a little bit. It says, do hard things and be uncomfortable. And she goes, you were really uncomfortable and you did hard things at Lipscomb and we all benefited from it. The community benefited from it. The school benefited from it. The team, our family, everybody was better because you chose to do hard things and be uncomfortable. Right now, this isn't that hard. Like you can take a nap all off season, go undefeated next year at Lipscomb. Is that really what you're looking for? I said, no, ma'am. She goes, you need to look into this thing. You need another mountain to climb. You need another Everest. And uh, although it might be hard on you, old man, it's going to be good for everybody else around you. So, uh, and she was right. You know, I, I'm, I'm as energized as I've ever been. Uh, I just lost 35 pounds. It's made it even that much better. Uh, my body feels like it's 80, but my soul feels like it's 30 again. So uh, they're getting my best every single day, uh, and I'm getting their best, and and I've never been more excited about this climb we're about to go on. Dude, how well did you marry? That's an amazing anecdote. So how did you drop oh. 35 LBs? That's Tell me that's not stress. What was the process for that? Well, it's really funny. I, I was, I mean, literally, if you look at pictures of me at spring ball, it looked like I was pregnant with twins. <laughs> and uh, I went in and we were talking as a team about this, like just cranking it up, doing harder things. I looked at the whole team. This is the team, the coaches, auxiliary staff, everybody said, you know what? And you shouldn't do it because look at your leader. I'm a fat slob. I'm like, I'm eating tacos three times a day. Got my couple tequilas at night. Like I'm a mess. I said, so it's going to start with me and I'm going to lose this weight. I'm going to choose to do hard things. So I started intermittent fasting. Uh, I started uh, just eating really clean. I started doing two workouts a day. My body can't do the old stuff I used to do. So it was like a, a 20 minute. I do this thing called uh, forever golf, golf forever. It's this unbelievable thing. If you're a golfer, uh, I do that 20 minutes. I ride my Peloton. I walk, um, sneaking in little workouts here and there. Uh, and I just wanted to be an example of, you know, it was hard for me. It took everything in my soul to lose this weight. Um, but they needed to see their leader do it before I asked them to do hard things. You know, one thing I, I, I do, I have a lot of flaws, Jim. You know that. Everybody knows me. Knows I got a million flaws. But I don't ask people to do something I won't do myself. And I found myself asking to do something I wasn't doing. So I was a hypocrite. And I didn't want to be a hypocrite. Man, that, that that's amazing. Like, I have 30 follows that I would follow up on if I had time. I've always wondered about that, Trent. I've always wondered. I understand the coaching is such a grind. And, you know, back in the day, guys sleeping in their offices, that kind of thing. You know, you want a certain life balance. But at the same time, if you're in pursuit of excellence, you're going to have to sacrifice some of that life balance. But here's one thing I've always wondered about. As a high-level athlete, a college athlete, whatever you might be, the coaches are demanding, man, get in the weight room, eat clean, be disciplined. But if they aren't that, is it not counterintuitive? And are they not hypocrites? Like when you were a player, if a coach was demanding all those things of you, what did you think? And they weren't that. I thought it was a hypocrite. Right. No, you're right. I thought they were a hypocrite. Um, and I, I, this staff, I mean, I'll, I'll compete with any staff in the country for physical fitness. These guys are monsters. You know, I roll in about 5.15, 5.30 every morning with my dog, take her on a little walk. And I got 15 coaches here getting after it. They're already here. They're all, they're waking up the weights. It's kind of the mantra of the staff is let's go wake up the weights. You know, I got coaches out there doing sprints and core routines in the indoor. I got coaches in the weight room, waking up the weights. We got guys doing yoga. We got guys in the Peloton. You can hear them grunting across the building. Um, but I think cause they take that to heart. Like they're not going to ask their players to do something they won't do themselves. Uh, we got some beasts on the staff, and, and they take it very serious. 
And how much better do you feel? How much better do you sleep? How much better is your energy? Oh. How much better is your mindset? How much better is everything now because of that commitment you made? Everything. And then, you know, my body's just so broken down from the league. You know, I fake knee, two torn Achilles, 11 separated shoulders, broken bones in my back, blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. So when you start taking care of yourself and inflammation goes down, and I mean, chronic pain is something that just wrecks you. And there's somebody listening right now is dealing with chronic pain. They're like, yeah, amen. Like this is ruining my life. And, you know, the chronic pain makes it really hard uh, to make good decisions. And uh, now that, you know, some of this is going away and I'm feeling so much better. My mind is clear. I'm making better decisions. I always talk about trying to make wise decisions. You know, there's, it's not always right or wrong. It's about wisdom and uh, trying to make wise. it's hard to make wise decisions when your mind's all cloudy and when you can't think clearly. So uh, again, I think it's this holistic approach. It's just my philosophy on, on running an organization is there's a holistic approach to it that mind, body, soul, all matter, all matter the same. Trent, other than the 14 years in the NFL and the Super Bowl, you and I have so much in common. Like, I, I totally see what you're saying. I'm also a tequila guy. I'm also a guy that if I get off the path, it will get away from me. And it affects the way you think. It affects the way you work. It affects the way you feel about yourself. If you make the good choices... Everything good is on the other side of that, and everything's good on the other side of hard. Leave me with this thought, because I just did spend two weeks in Wisconsin, and the first six days were, I don't want to say heavily tequila-laden, but let's just say I kind of let it get away from me for the first six days. A Peloton every single day, but I did that. I've got to know, what brand of tequila? When? When and if you still indulge? I do, sparingly. Um, I... I kind of like them all. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> cheat any of the brands. I see you working. It's kind of a cop out, but yeah, I'm kind of, I kind of like them all. I see you working. I see you working. Trent Dilfer, he is head coach at UAB, had joined us after getting that job. I want to run him down before they open up their season. It's August 31st. They're going up against North Carolina A&T. Trent, I know you got a million things going. Really appreciate the time that you set aside for me today. And as you always have throughout your entire career, good luck. Can't wait to see that squad on the field. Thanks, Jim. Anytime. See you, buddy. Trent Dilfer joining us, bringing the energy. Good night, night.